Through its Innovation Station initiative, the Secretary's Office of Global Women's Issues at the U.S. Department of State is amplifying women and girls developing solutions to global challenges and helping them connect with new communities that could benefit from their work. Today, you'll meet a few of those innovators as they explain their game-changing, translatable initiatives in their own words. Welcome to SGWE's Innovation Station. The Rocky Mountain region is rich in metallic and non-metallic mineral resources that support a substantial mining industry. During the westward expansion of the United States, the region was one of the earliest sites of mineral extraction, with the Pikes Peak Gold Rush of 1859 resulting in significant development and population growth. Although the mining industry has played an important role in local economies, unsustainable mining practices have led to severe pollution of rivers, harming aquatic ecosystems, water quality, and outdoor recreation. The mining industry faces numerous challenges beyond water contamination as well. Occupational hazards for miners include dust inhalation, hearing loss, and exposure to high temperature and humidity, among others. Price volatility creates pressure to improve operational efficiency and reduce costs in ways that may have negative consequences for worker well-being and safety. The demand for energy, especially in remote locations with limited access to local grid infrastructure, means the mining industry often depends on diesel generation which has a high carbon footprint. And yet changes in climate and precipitation patterns are forecasted to increase physical challenges to mining operations. On the social side, the mining sector is perceived to be male-dominated, creating robust difficulties to the many women working in this space, including lower salaries, discrimination, and gender-based violence. In many countries, girls, sometimes as young as 10 years old, are forced to work in small-scale mines, resulting in exposure to physical and chemical hazards that become more dangerous due to the girl's age and size. The environmental and social challenges of mining are pertinent in various mineral-rich locations, and we can think about this ranging from Arizona to Texas and from Burkina Faso to Australia. In our final conversation today, we will learn from two women working to increase ethical standards and create positive social and environmental impact of the artisanal and small-scale mining sector with the goal of supporting women miners in the process. Please join me in welcoming our panelists, Gina D'Amato, Executive Director of the Alliance for Responsible Mining, and Christina Viegas of the U.S.-based nonprofit PACT and co-founder of Moyo Gems. Welcome, both of you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And Gina, I'm going to turn to you first here. Would you briefly introduce us to the work of the Alliance for Responsible Mining? Sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Aubrey. Hi, Christina, and everyone. Thank you for being here. It's been such an inspirational uh, space. So um, I would like to, to bring the attention to a lot of challenges that are faced by artisanal and small-scale miners, and especially women miners. My name is Gina Amato, and I'm the executive director for LATAM for the Alliance for Responsible Mining. Um, we were established in 2004 in Colombia, where we are based right now. And uh, at that time, uh, we were focusing on um, those specific challenges that were 
uh, facing artisanal miners in the Pacific area of Colombia. Yes, um, mainly they were Afro-descendant and indigenous communities. And some of these communities uh, share the same challenges that face other artisanal and small-scale miners in, in other places around the world. Uh, I might mention the uh, isolation, lack of access to roads or basic infrastructure, healthcare services, uh, or lack of access to main education. So uh, we, can, we can add to this that they have to face other challenges such as um, the presence of armed conflicts or illegal communities. And in addition, we have to mention as well the stigma associated with their source of livelihood. So as you can see, it's, it's not an easy uh, environment. Um, and that's why we said we need to work with these communities. We need to, there should be a way to do this in a better way. So over the time, we developed this know-how um, that allow us to be considered right now uh, global experts on artisanal and small-scale mining. Uh, we work with communities hand in hand. That's what we love, to work in the fields with the people, with the communities. Uh, we work right now uh, with different communities in Peru, in Bolivia, in Ecuador, Colombia, but also we work nearby the Amazon in Guyana, Suriname, and also we right now are working with some communities in Burkina Faso and uh, DRC. So this gives you like a broad idea of uh, what we do. Um, we work to transform, actually what we aim is to transform the artisanal and small uh, mining industry into a socially, environmentally, and a really responsible activity. And at the same time, we aim to improve the quality of life of these families and communities. Thanks so much, Gina. Really appreciate that. And we'll get into more details momentarily. But for now, Christina, hello. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us as well. Um, and I'm wondering if you could preview the work of PACT and maybe the Moyo Gems project as well. Yes, um, thank you for having me. Um, it's really lovely to be here. Um, yeah, my name is Christina Villegas. I'm the Director of Sustainable Markets at PACT. Um, PACT is a large international development organization at work in 40 countries around the world. We work on things like global health, um, livelihoods, natural resources management, governance, um, and we have a strange program called um, the Mines to Markets program, um, strange, I love it. Um, I directed it for many years, um, but it focuses on something called artisanal and small-scale mining, which Gina just mentioned. I'll just define briefly. It's people um, using shovels and picks and human strength to dig minerals out of the ground. So when people um, often say, you know, artisanal miners, um, the question I get is, you know, are these hipsters? <laughs> um, no, um, there, there are people using the most rudimentary methods um, to, um, you know, to pull the, the gemstone, the gold, whatever it is from the ground, from the earth, and then they process it. Um, and so PACT operates the largest um, ASM programs um, in the world. Uh, most of our current work is focused on Africa, and we team up with, with ARM, uh, which, which Gina leads. Um, in different parts of the world, but we love teaming up with them in, in Latin America. 
Um, and my program, uh, Moyo Gems, um, I call it my dream come true. Um, it's because um, it focuses on women miners, women gemstone miners in East Africa, where I spend a lot of time. And we have built a supply chain with them, co-designed with them um, from mine to market, um, where um, we ethically assure um, that uh, it's mined under um, reasonable conditions and that the miner is at the center of that production. So we're really delighted, um, I can talk later, but um, to increase their incomes between three and 10 times what they made before. And if you can just imagine if your own salary increased by three and 10 times what that would mean to you. Um, so um, that's why I call it my dream come true. And we've been at Paris Fashion Week, we've been in Vogue. Um, so, um, you know, I'm just an NGO worker. <laughs> Never thought I'd be in Vogue magazine, but um, here we are with the miners um, and um, having them at the center of the story. Thanks, Christina. I can't wait to learn more. Um, for now, I'm going to turn back to Gina um, and try to level set here because. Uh, as I've mentioned to you both before, we have a lot of folks in our audience who are specifically interested in the type of work that you do, but not everyone is an expert. So can you share with us, Gina, what some of the biggest environmental challenges associated with artisanal and small-scale mining actually are? Of course, yeah. Um, when we think on artisanal and small-scale mining, um, one of the things I mentioned previously was this stigma around uh, what they do and uh, the operation. And um, perhaps it, it is related to the challenges that we have related to the environmental uh, areas. And um, so they are related to the emission of toxic sub substances sometimes. Um, they can create water pollution uh, or also they can they can pollute the ground and the air. Uh, we can mention also the inadequate disposal of uh, mining and processing residues. And uh, of course, the alteration of the ground and the water, because in order to, uh, you know, to make the process, you're gonna need some water and you're gonna need to, um, to um, modify the way it was uh, conceived in the first time, all right? So, um, the first thing we have to do is um, to, to work with the community to understand how is it that they are doing the their, their process, and that's what we call an environmental assessment. So, first of all, this is a, a holistic approach because it's not just environmental issues, but also social and organizational issues. But I'm going to focus on uh, the topic of the environmental. So we have developed um, specific tools that are adapted to each um, context. And we develop together with the communities this environmental assessment. And that's quite important because the idea is not just to go run an assessment and then go and sort of the community didn't uh, learn or didn't share with us their knowledge of how they are doing the things. So we work with them. Um, we do an analysis uh, identifying which ones are the main training needs, for example, that uh, they need to, to do a proper handling of toxic substances. Uh, we also develop mercury risk maps, for example, and contamination baselines, with different measures of uh, the water or of the people, yes. 
and um, we do mineralogical analysis and uh, other other kind of um, of this analysis. Then we identified which ones are the weakness and the needs for these participating organizations in these projects uh, or in the mining group, and we defined with them the type of support we are going to follow. Um, afterwards, uh, we developed uh, these improvement plans that uh, perhaps I'll have the time to discuss that uh, afterwards. Uh, we co-design. I, I like that, uh, that expression that Christina mentioned because that is the basic for a successful intervention. We have to co-design these improvement plans so that we get the commitment from the communities. And uh, then we start tracing which ones have been the main progress in these uh, improvement plans. And uh, that uh, has been, has proved that it's the way to improve uh, this risk uh, related with environmental issues. And I want to come back to you with a follow-up question because your organization has been uh, spearheading the creation of different metrics to ensure social and environmental sustainability in mining operations. So what are the Fairmine standard and the craft code? Yeah, um, and, and this is quite important because we, we, we developed this theory of change of uh, how we can change the situation. If, uh, uh, small scale and artisanal mining was creating, um, you know, uh, or, or was a difficult uh, task to to work on and how we can work with the communities. One of the main strategies was to release certain best practices that people could uh, start working on to improve uh, the way they were uh, working on their mining um, area. So uh, that's how we started working with a certification that it's called the Fur Mine Certification. Uh, what uh, it does is that it, it aims to create opportunities for artisanal and small-scale miners to facilitate this uh, progressive improvement. Yes. And it, uh, it handles not just environmental issues that I just described, but also it handles um, issues related with working conditions, how to promote uh, well-being of the families and, um, and the communities, um, how to address gender issues, which is something that uh, it's quite important for us here that we are discussing, or how to avoid child labor. So all of this is included in this Fairmine standard. We start working um, with uh, the, the communities and it takes uh, some time. Uh, one very important thing with this Fairmine standard is that it has to be audited by a third party. That is very important because that reflects that it's a serious uh, uh, standard and that um, is not just me saying that I'm doing the good job, but it's someone else saying yes, they have done the, uh, the homework and they're doing a, a good thing. And then it helps us to connect them with markets. And that's one of the good things uh, that uh, incentivize miners to certificate themselves. The other, um, the other, it's not a standard, it's an open code that you mentioned, it's the craft code. We realize that um, not always 
all the communities are ready or have enough uh, cap capacities at that time to, um, to commit themselves with the Fermine standard, for example. So we developed uh, together with other organizations this open craft um, code that it's called the craft code and addresses not just the gold but also other minerals and gemstones such as the one Christina is uh, describing us. And uh, so it's a, it's a first step in this, in this uh, progressive path, a first step to uh, the journey of responsible mining. So the craft code uh, helps communities to start on their own, uh, adopting best practices and accessing to formal markets uh, as they uh, have to commit with the due diligence of the OECD guidance. Mm, so basically those are some of the, the work that we do with standards. Thanks, Gina. Uh, Christina, I'm going to turn back to you now and ask you to tell us a little bit about the roles that women traditionally play in artisanal and small scale, scale mining of gold and gemstones. And what sorts of gaps in education or training do they tend to experience as their contributions to mining are so frequently overlooked? Yeah, um, and I'll get back to the definition of ASM very briefly, just set the context. Um, artisanal and small-scale mining, it's not some marginal population um, that's a tiny part of the mining industry. It's actually almost the entire labor worldwide of mining is ASM. So in terms of labor, it's 90% of all mine labor worldwide are artisanal and small-scale miners. So don't think it's some weird kind of specialty. It's um, <laughs> They're behind the trees, uh, they're the hidden workforce. Um, I call them the hidden suppliers. Um, and so of that 90% uh, of mine labor, um, they produce about 10% of the world's uh, pro um, mineral products every year. So it's, it's an inefficient way of mining, but in terms of livelihoods, it's very important. And these are um, like in Africa, for example, it's the uh, second biggest non-farm employment um, in, in, in Africa. Second biggest, isn't that incredible? So it's, a, it's, it's huge. Um, and women are one third of all miners worldwide and people do not realize this. Um, and so, and, and it, this um, impacts opportunities for training. So when you don't think of women as miners, you don't think to invite them to trainings. You don't think to look out for them on mine sites and ask them um, and, and engage them as miners. Um, uh, they can get, and this is, this is discrimination, um, they can get pushed off the mine sites because they're women, or because of cultural traditions or brute force. Um, so um, so this, this cycle of poverty can very easily um, happen again and again and again because women aren't thought of as miners. And so my program, I put them front and center, 60% of all miners in the Moyo Gems program are women, 60%. Um, and we let men in too because, you know, they mine, I guess. <laughs> um, but um, we want, really want to focus on women and create opportunities for them because they're overlooked. Um, and so um, uh, to answer your question, um, there's usually um, formal education gaps. Girls are often the last to be put in school, the first to be taken out um, because of school fee realities. Um, and then these formal training opportunities, um, uh, they're overlooked, as I mentioned. 
Um, and then they rarely have finance for their mines. So who's going to pay for the equipment? Who's going to pay for the, the rice on the site? Um, so um, this has turned into an opportunity for our program because the women have actually have total freedom who they sell to uh, because there's no pre-finance here. Um, and so again, we've been able to increase their incomes dramatically um, uh, and turn um, that once weakness actually into an opportunity. Um, for them to lean in and improve their lives. So through Moyo Gems, what sorts of trainings have you been able to provide to women miners in Tanzania and Kenya, I understand? Yes, uh, we, we started in, in Tanzania in 2019. Um, we, we designed in 2018 with the women miners, like in an old school house um, with healing paint on the walls um, and the chalkboard from the 1960s. Um, but we, we spent several days uh, with them co-designing, um, and then we launched in 2019, and we expanded in 2022 uh, to Kenya. Uh, we're really delighted about that. Um, the formal training um, is um, helping them understand the product. So um, part of the challenge here is that because they, people want to, want to keep them poor, they don't tell them about the, about the value factors of the product. And for gemstones, I have a little show and tell. <laughs> Um, this, um, this is like a specimen that people like smash this kind of thing when this is very valuable on its own, um, because I think they can get like 20 gemstones out of this and we teach them, save this. There's actually special dealers that specialize in this where you can make a lot of money. We can, we tell them how to pre-sort by value. Um, before they were just selling rubies by the kilogram, not by the value factors. Um, so we taught them how to pre-sort so they're not just being taken advantage of. So you can see quite quickly how this could have direct income um, impacts. Um, and then we create, we connect them to the, to the global market. So um, there's usually several between five and seven uh, local brokers um, uh, between the miner and the exporter. There is one uh, now with Moyo. Um, and then the exporter goes, uh, sends it to an international trader who are part of our program and they pay top prices. Um, and then they goes to, goes to, um, you know, Louis Vuitton collections, but also stu studio jewelers in the U.S., in Latin America, in, um, in other parts of the world. Um, so they've received gem valuation training, um, you know, how to prepare their, their rough materials, um, occupational health and safety, how to stay safe at work what kind of PPE, uh, personal protective equipment to have. Um, and we also help them formalize to get legal access to the, um, the areas that they're mining so they can keep that and aren't pushed off. And if I could follow up with you, how do land rights challenges and difficulties accessing credit affect the women miners in the communities where you work? Yeah, great question. Um, so in many parts of the world, um, but including Tanzania, um, women might have legal um, inheritance rights. They might have the legal right to, to, to inherit the land. But in practice, it does not happen, even if they might be named, because um, the relatives, even brothers um, and uncles, might push them off or um, just come in and kick them off the land, um, even if it was uh, in a will. Uh, but in rural places, they're very rarely wills. Um, and so women um, get impoverished very quickly, even if it's the husband who dies, the mother, the, the wife might be destitute because of this, um, this in practice um, 
uh, issue of inheritance. It doesn't happen everywhere, um, but it happens a lot of places, and unfortunately, in very rural environments, it's very common. So when you don't have a legal title to land, you can't use that title to then get credit to, you know, to buy, to buy machines and things like that. You can't get it, to, you can't use it to parlay to other things. Sure. And so again, it's like a cycle that's rooted in discrimination um, and that uh, women minors face in addition to everything else they're facing as women. For sure. Now, speaking of land, Gina, I'm wondering if you can tell us about how the Alliance for Responsible Mining is able to help mining communities facilitate reforestation projects as part of their sustainability commitments. Yeah, yeah, um, Aubrey. So um, we've been talking about um, the environmental impacts and uh, wanting that uh, it's always come into the picture is what happens when the mine has to close, yes? And what can we do to recover not just the soil, but also uh, everything that is related in the environment? You know, it, it's the whole ecosystem, this holistic approach that I've been mentioning. So we have uh, this specific sustainable unit in our NGO that support the operations during the process, but also when it comes the time to do these closure processes. Um, so we also work with other partners, bringing them in and telling them how are we going to, to work together because the idea is to leave capacities in these territories and uh, how are we going to, for example, restore the landscape as well because it's not just uh, an issue of that uh, perhaps uh, we're going to recover the soil with certain specific trees, but also the landscape as it used to be, so that um, animals and other, um, other micro um, systems could come back. So I would like to, to, to mention an example of a, of a project that uh, we run, because it's important and for this context of a woman uh, in mining, that it's uh, related of how, for example, in order to generate other sources of income for women. Mm, Christina was precisely mentioning the importance in the world in numbers of how many women are um, working in, in the mining. Sometimes uh, the woman, this is not the only source of income. So what we want to do is to strengthen other opportunities, other sources, di diversify the income generating activities. So uh, we work with them to establish uh, three nurseries so that they can use later to recover uh, the soil. And these uh, three nurseries can also develop certain knowledge and certain uh, competencies around these, uh, these associations of women that they can um, use these services in other contexts as well. Thank you so much for that. Um, Christina, I'm going to jump back to you with an audience question. Uh, this audience member is wondering if there's ever been backlash from the communities in which you work with this increase in prosperity for women minors, and what are you able to do to try to prevent or combat that? Yeah, that's one of the most frequently asked questions that I get. Um, and um, that's, one of, that's also one of the reasons that we opened it up to men. Um, because we uh, we kept getting requests from men to be able to in the, be able to, in the program too, and um, women 
can mine in small groups or they can mine in co-ed groups. And why are we leaving men out? Um, at, because they're allies. They're allies before us and they'll be allies after us. Um, so we didn't want to create saboteurs. We wanted to create more allies and additional prosperity. So that's one reason we opened it up to 40% men. But I tell the men, look to the woman beside you. You can thank her for you being in the program. Um, this is a women's market. Um, so, um, because we focus on the community and not just women, um, there's an incentive for the community to maintain the program because everyone is benefiting. Um, so that's the very local, um, way, uh, that we kind of make sure no one's being targeted. Um, we also incorporate local brokers, um, who were allies to women before our program. Women nominated them. Um, and now they're, um, uh, they're incorporated to the program and making more money than they would in several months in a few days time, uh, every, every, every few months. Um, so, um, there's kind of, um, uh, broad in prosperity. And we also, um, we team up with the Tanzanian Women Miners Association, uh, it's called Tuwoma and, uh, the Kenyan equivalent called Awake. Um, and we, they have members in these villages. We talk to the village chair people. Uh, to make sure we're understanding all the different um, risks that could be happening. And then we have a very close uh, feedback loop, as we say in nonprofits. Sorry, <laughs> the jargon. Um, so um, we watch it very carefully. Um, but I can tell you that after three years of working in Tanzania, we have not seen any targeting whatsoever. And to the opposite, um, a real celebration that this program is there uh, because so many people are benefiting. That's wonderful to hear. Now, I'm, Gina, I'm going to turn back to you with one last question before we wrap up with our final thoughts on the day. Uh, we've talked a lot about supporting women minors um, in this conversation here. I'm wondering, Gina, if you can just touch on the Alliance for Responsible Mining's efforts to eradicate child labor in artisanal and small-scale mining. Yeah, I'll be, uh, and thank you for that question because that, that's a very uh, important issue. Um, you know that uh, working in mines puts children's health and safety in, and, and their future at risk, yes. And the way, if we said that 30% uh, of the people who are working in, in these mines are women, well, you can imagine as well that perhaps there are also um, child, uh, child, perhaps not working, but around these sites. And, and that is something we need to uh, avoid by all means. So this is why uh, part of our work, uh, we have developed several strategies to, to address this risk. Um, um, some of them are related with uh, the development of educational activities for the community so we can understand which ones are the main ways, why is this situation in, happening and why we should avoid this as well. It, it takes time, but you can do it. Also, it's not just addressing education, but how to strengthen facilities so that uh, these women can, uh, or, or men, or whoever is in charge of the child, can, can take care of, uh, of these um, children. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, of uh, the importance of certifications is that, for example, um, when a mine gets certified, they get an incentive. And this incentive is very important for these specific issues such as child labor. Why? Because this incentive can be reinvested 
in the community. It can be reinvested in uh, to strengthen a, the educational infrastructure, for example, or to uh, pay someone to take care of the children so they don't have to, to, to work. And of course, uh, when you get certified, well, you're committing with this due diligence that, that I mentioned previously as well. Um, so those are some of the strategies we, we implement depending on the context where we are working. Yeah. Thank you so much. And it is time for us to wrap up this wonderful discussion here today. And to close, I would like to ask each of you one final question, and perhaps you can provide your 30-second parting thoughts in answer to this question, and that is this. What would you like audience members to take away from this discussion today, specifically related to your work, your best practices, your learnings in improving social and environmental sustainability of artisanal and small-scale mining? Gina, I'm going to start with you, and we're going to end with Christina. Thank you, Aubrey. Yeah, well, I would say that, uh, you know, uh, ASM is a quite complex issue, but uh, it's not just a matter of uh, pointing your fingers of who is producing the material, in, 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 how, in which way, but also it, we have to understand that it's a, a complex issue and who, who are the final consumers. Yes. So I would like to create awareness as well of the impact that responsible consumers can do in, in these areas uh, and that we should always ask ourselves uh, where is your product coming from, is it certified or not, and this is a simple way to create a difference with, this, with these communities and with the world, because that's what finally what we want to, to generate, uh, to help them escape from poverty and to gain a decent wage and achieve their dreams as well. Thank you. And Christina? Yes, um, I guess my farewell message is um, small can be beautiful. Um, and when it's well supported, um, it is beautiful. Um, and with, with artisanal and small scale mining, it's about people. Yes, they're mining, but it's about people. And that's what we should keep remembering. Um, and so, um, jewelry industries at, at it's a really interesting tipping point right now where we have, you know, ARM's longtime leadership and gold, um, other organizations like PACT learning from them, um, and, and bringing things to scale. Um, with with them too, um, and then creating new um, sources of responsible materials. Gemstones have only been traceable for the last three years. Moyo led the way. Um, ASM gemstones, um, and um, I think for for consumers listening, um, make sure to buy the good stuff. Um, luckily, there's um, Fair Mind is branded. Fair Trade is branded. Um, you can go to the websites and find out who's selling it. Um, for Moyo Gems, you go to Moyo, M-O-Y-O, MoyoGems.com, and you click buy. Uh, you can see a whole list of American, British, um, Latin American um, designers. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't credit uh, my funder, uh, Brilliant Earth, who both buys the gems, um, makes beautiful jewelry and then also funds the program along with W. Wake in New York and MRK in New York. So um, thank you um, for those kind of leadership jewelers um, and consumers. You have lots of choice. It's up to you to, um, you know, to help us expand. 
This podcast is derived from audio recordings of SGOE's Innovation Station virtual event series. The views expressed in the preceding episode are those of the featured innovators and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Secretary's Office of Global Women's Issues, the U.S. Department of State, or the U.S. government. For more information on the Secretary's Office of Global Women's Issues, its initiatives, and programs, please visit the State Department website at www.state.gov.